Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Caregiving Gen X Style. I'm Steve Mullen. And I'm Jennifer Mullen. You know, there are some conversations you just don't want to have. And I want to say end-of-life conversations, probably at the top of the list. Definitely. But it's a critical critical conversation and one you should have at a time when your loved one is still able to have it. Because it's such a difficult conversation to have, though, we've brought in a guest who is an expert on the topic. But before we get to that, Jennifer, how's your mom? Well, my mom is actually doing really well. Uh, I do have a little funny story to share. If you've listened to our technology episode, you have heard us talk about the challenges of technology with your elderly loved ones. So, Recently, our daughter texted us, Steve, you and me, and our family chat. So you, me, and and her brother. Who's and been on the show. Who's Jackson. been on the show. They've both been on the show. And she says, Goggy says her phone is broken. Is her phone really broken? I'm like, mm, is it really broken? Because Goggy often thinks things are not working. Things are flipping. It's right? true. We've, flipping. Heard, we've talked about that flipping. before. Things are flipping. My Facebook is flipping. So, you know, I was a little skeptical, but I was on my way home from work and I thought I will just swing by and check things out because clearly we need her to have her phone because she needs to be able to get in touch with people. We need to be able to get in touch with her. Sure enough, actually, truly, there was something, in fact, wrong with her phone. There's, I think, the batteries going bad. She also needed a software update, which I did quickly do the software update, which I think might have helped a little bit, but pretty sure the battery was In going her bad. defense, it's a relatively old smartphone. It is. It is. But I, I did, I had to fess up and I did laugh with Goggy about <laughs> it. Good. Um, and actually, as I was pulling out, uh, our daughter was actually calling her, FaceTiming with her because I, because I texted back. I'm like, I, th- I think things Give are okay, shot. but like, check it out. But, but actually, even though I was able to do like a little bit of a stopgap, I, I legit think her phone's old and dying and the things that were happening that she was saying were happening were actually happening we're legit so So good for goggy it wasn't something she did wrong it was not something she did wrong so goggy i know you're listening because i know you listen to every episode and we get a review of every episode i am giving you props because you were 100 percent correct that there was indeed something wrong with your phone and by the way Big shout out to my brother who is uh, taking care of getting her a new phone. She'll probably have it in her hands within the next two days. Yep. So, Steve, how's your mom? You know, again, she's doing great. She's, you know, in assisted living as she has been. Uh, little story she just told me the other day when I was over there. She said, you know, I woke up this morning and I got a bit of a surprise. And my first thought was, <laughs> oh, God, what went wrong? Is that a good thing what or a bad thing? <laughs> She said, no, you know, I, I'd, I woke up and, you know, she needs help to get out of bed. And she said, I, you know, I'd press my little button to call somebody to help me. And uh, I was laying there and the light flipped on and I turned over and she said, I was so happy. So her favorite CNA is a woman named Pat. We had met Pat before my mother even moved in. She's a wonderful lady she i mean it's a person that was born to be a cna born to be healthcare, born to be a caregiver and my mom and her have built a really good rapport but she had left for six weeks while she had knee replacement and this whole time you know mom and i would turn to each other and say you know i don't think she's coming back i just i don't think she's coming back 
And she just appeared one day uh, like an angel. That's awesome. And my mother was so happy. And Jennifer Lee, you will confirm, I'm not a hugger. You are not a hugger. I, not I, by nature. I, I went around the building and found Pat and gave her a hug. Mm. Uh, and she was happy to have it. The that funny thing is something. we were outside. She'd just come out. And I mean, I was sitting in the sun. I was a little warm. She said, oh, you're warm. I'm so cold. Keep hugging me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wish I could have seen that. I wish I could have seen all of that unfold. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. I am so glad for your mom that that Pat, it's Big Pat, it's right? Because there was There's Big, big Pat, Pat. There was another Pat. Pat. Big yeah. Pat, Little Pat. Yeah. I'm so glad that Big Pat is oh, back. Oh, I'm because, so happy. Yeah. Um, she definitely was, uh, not to sound too cheesy, but sort of like a beacon of light. Right after we moved your mom into yes, assisted living, she absolutely. was she was a smiling face. She was beyond competent. Yeah, she, and she, just she told my mother, amazing. I don't care what part of the building I'm supposed to be in. I'm going to come down and get you out of bed every morning. Yeah. And that obviously that makes my mom so happy. Yeah, she was amazing. I'm so glad she's back. So as we mentioned in the introduction, this episode is all about planning for what happens at the end of your loved one's life. It's tough to think about it, but it's so necessary. It's a necessary conversation. We are by no means experts at this. So we invited a guest to our show. Please welcome to the show, Amy Stein Milford. She's the director of on-site and special programs for Dorote, uh, an organization based in New York City with a goal of enhancing the lives of older adults. Amy, welcome to Caregiving Gen X Style. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. And now I'm actually a little nervous because I know Goggy is listening. <laughs> <laughs> Goggy will be nice to you. She gives us some pretty stiff reviews sometimes. She's, some, she's like, some episodes are good. Some I could do without. But uh, no, I, I actually, you know what? Uh, I'll preface this by saying that my mom has actually been pretty proactive in in talking about this. It kind of uh -huh. comes in fits and spurts with uh, me and, and my brother, but she's actually pretty open to this conversation. So Amy, I'm really excited that you're here with us to talk about this. That's great. And you use the word difficult conversations. I'm going to I'm going to say they're opportunities for empowerment. Ah, uh, but we'll talk more okay. about that, both for, for you um, in the Gen X generation and for the older adult. So before we dive into talking about end-of-life planning, tell us a little more about Dorote, and please, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You are, and um, Dorote, um, well, just quickly, it's a nonprofit social service agency. I have known of it for many years. It's a wonderful organization. It provides life-enhancing programs for older adults and with a focus on alleviating social isolation. And Dorot is a Hebrew word. It is, it, the meaning is generations. And with the Surgeon General's recent medical advisory on social isolation and loneliness, the mission of Dorote, which is to help alleviate social isolation, has become even more urgent. And so that is a focus of all of our activities. And in terms of the subject that we are talking about today, I just wanted to emphasize that Dorote has many, many programs that deal with getting older and all of the 
decisions that come up from housing decisions to medical decisions to end-of-life decisions. And one of the primary ways we do that is a program called Aging Alone Together, which is a six-session workshop that provides tools, resources for older adults to think about these issues and really feel empowered uh, to make their own choices and decisions. So end-of-life planning, it's a really hard conversation to have with your parent or, or any elderly loved one in your life. What are the tips that you have for getting this conversation started? First, and I'm going to keep saying this, and I'm sure you know this and, and, and have said it on your podcast, every situation is different, every person is different, and one of the things that I guess I will emphasize, because I am a Gen Xer like you, and I have had to care for an older adult for my father when he had Alzheimer's, but in my professional life at Doe Road, I'm really thinking about the older adult and what their needs and what their wishes are. So when you're starting this conversation, think about why it might be difficult. And, and there could be any number of reasons. But one of the things I hear most often from older adults is that they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to be a burden on their children or their loved ones. And they feel like asking you to help bringing up these topics is 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 hard and and hard for you. So if that is the case, I would just make it very clear that you're not burdening me, you're helping me. Uh, this is something that I really want to think about with you. And so by our talking about it now, you're going to make this so much easier down the road. Um, because if something does come up, if there is an emergency, if there is some kind of unanticipated medical situation, it will be so much better if we've talked about it in advance and, and, and I know what it is you want. There are other people who it's, it's really an issue of control. They want to be in control of their life. We, we all do. And the thought of losing control towards the end, if you know, you're not able to make your own decisions, is very scary. And so you can really position it when you're talking with your mothers or whoever it is who's listening as you want to make the decisions that they want. And by having the conversation now when they have capacity, you're going to be able to really, you know, when stuff hits the fan, you're going to be able to make the decisions that they would want. And you're going to be able to really fulfill what they would want. So I think those are some good ways to start the conversation. I also think it's you know, um, and maybe this is an obvious one, you just don't um, sort of drop it. You might want to schedule a time to talk about it. You, you know, you bring it up and say, this is something I've been thinking about. You could say you read an article. There are some good, you know, articles you could share with them in advance of the conversation, but really let them know that it's, you're wanting to have this discussion to best represent what it is they want to see happen at the end of their life. So Amy, there was something in there that you said that 
particularly resonates with me and that's the word burden. I don't want to be a burden on you. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. So my brother and I have had this conversation or it, it's a, it's a recurring theme with Goggy because she has said for many years now, you know, I don't ever want to be a burden on you guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to make things more difficult. Let me tell you what, my brother and I will pull that out like nobody's business when we need to talk to her about something serious. We'll say, hey, you remember that time when you said you don't want to be a burden to us? Here is how you can help us or how we can all work together so that you're not a burden on us. And I swear, it's like the only thing that works because she's a, <laughs> right? she's a mom through mm-hmm. and through. And so sometimes if we just say to her, you're going to be a burden to us if you don't have this conversation with us or pay attention to your exercise or the medication you're taking or, you know, what in, insert any number of where, topics. Where your emergency button. Where your emergency button. Yes, yes. that's a previous mm-hmm. episode that's where we talk episode. about that. I mean, that was the mm-hmm. fastest way we got our mom to agree to wear the emergency button around her neck was we said, you said, you don't want to be a burden to us. Here's how you're not going to be a burden to us. Like you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to help us in this, in this journey. So I definitely appreciate hearing that. And so that might work for me. I don't know if that's the same thing, Steve, that works. It's not necessarily the same thing, but I did want to loop back to what you were saying, Amy. So Jennifer picks up on one thing. I pick up on another. I heard you say control. We had a whole episode on control and it's, it's in short supply when you're dealing with Mm -hmm. an elderly person who, you know, may need a lot of help. They don't have a lot of control. And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea to present this as I want you to have control over what happens. I'll also say with that, where, where if the, the burden doesn't work and even, and the control does or doesn't, these conversations can be so moving and beautiful. I, I don't think you want to start that way because they, they aren't always. But um, one of the, the things that you can not necessarily start off right the bat right off the bat with but is getting someone to think about what makes a good day you know what 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 they enjoy and often it's of you know having people or loved ones around them you could ask them their favorite songs but there there are ways to when you have the conversation and and I I'm getting back to the control issue but um when you're when you're getting someone to think about how they can take, you know, a situation that that really does feel like I'm completely out of control and then make them think about something pleasurable. Do you want, you know, sunlight if possible? Or, you know, there, there, there are just any number of, you know, things where you can start talking about values. Um, just, you know, all of the things that, that are important to you. And, uh, if there's any way to build the, that into these sort of end of life days. Yeah, actually, I just wanted to say, I mean, I recently had this conversation with my mother and it really kind of got me thinking about this. And it's, it's funny. It's a conversation I'd been meaning to have with my mother because I knew the basics of what she wanted, but I didn't know the specifics. And mm. frankly, I'd been waiting for a moment for it to come up. And frank, mm. thankfully, it did. But I guess with some people, it's not going to just come up. And, I, you know, in this particular conversation, I learned a lot. Uh, there were things that I didn't know that she wanted. 
and you know things that I thought she would want and 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 I was wrong. But so I I guess my point is I guess you can't just wait for it to happen necessarily. In some cases it will, but a lot of cases it won't and by the time, you know, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting for it to come up, it's too late. And actually I want to get to what you said that sometimes you don't know what to ask or what what to say. Um, there are a lot of resources that can suggest the types of questions that you might ask and the things that, you know, you want to think about because, you know, we're not experts in death. And so uh, no one is. All right. So actually, there are a n- number of things that as we sort of talked about, you want to have prepared long before your loved one passes away. So let's start with a DNR or a do not resuscitate order. Why is a DNR important and how do you go about getting one? I will address the DNR, uh, but I'm going to actually also talk about some other documents that are important too. But quickly, the DNR, as you said, do not resuscitate. It's a legal document. It's written by a doctor. And it means that the person does not want to have CPR, any kind of um, chest compression conducted to keep them alive. And it is an order, you'll, you'll hear it come up if you're in a hospital setting, a nursing home, if you're entering hospice toward the end of your life, they will bring it up, and it's it's basically a form that's going to come up when you're terminally ill. And the reason you really, really want to have a DNR is if you're, say, at home and, and some something happens, something unanticipated happens, and EMT, the emergency medical services, show up, they are required by law to do everything they can to keep you alive. And that might not be what your parent, your mother, your, you know, the person who you love, who you're caring for wants. And so if that is the case, you need to have that legal document that is signed by a doctor saying that you don't want that. There are other what's called advanced directives, other legal documents in which you can state your wishes if you, in the case that you are unable to do so. And so I think there, these are other important things that, that anyone listening, anyone caring for someone who is terminally ill or, and, and this is really important, there's a mantra in one of the workshops that we lead um, that deals with aging, which is it's never too early, it's never too late to plan. And so these are things that I recommend anyone who has a parent, even if they're in good shape, to talk to your parents about and make sure that they, one, have what is called a health care proxy. And that is also a legal document, but it does not need to be signed by a lawyer or a doctor. And it, it indicates it it basically designates who will represent you if anything goes wrong if you are if you lose your capacity and you're not able to make decisions on your own and so that's one document and then the other one is the living will which is different than a DNR and it states what 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 your wishes are so the healthcare proxy is the document that appoints a person to be the decision maker if you are unable to. And it's 
I want to emphasize that if something happens, let's say you have a stroke and then you are better and you have, you know, you're able to make decisions, you, the, the healthcare proxies that then it's, it's not in place. You, you're still making your decisions. It's only when you're without capacity. And then the living will is a document that really lays out what you would like to happen. Um, Unlike a, D- a DNR, though, is important because an EMT will not not administer CPR even if you have a living will. There's one other document um, that's really important, and people often ask, "What's the difference between a, D- a DNR and what's called a MOLST or a PULST?" Um, and have you? Have I've that never heard, heard of that. that. Never once. <laughs> Okay. You, you um, got that in stereo, Amy. We have never heard of that. <laughs> okay. I was wondering, because that, that's actually important. And it's important for anyone listening, caring for someone who has, um, you know, a terminal illness, a most or a pulse. And, and basically, they're the same thing. It just depends what state you live in. So I live in New York State. And so the most is used in New York State, and it's a medical order for life-sustaining treatment. And like the DNR, these are signed by a doctor, but the most covers more procedures than the DNR does. It, it, it does cover, you know, if you do or do not want to have CPR administered, it covers intubation, it covers um, any other number of life-saving devices, whether you want to, you know, have intravenous feeding and drink. So you would talk to your doctor about it. Your mothers can talk to their doctors about it. You can talk to the doctors about it with them. Pulsed. You also said pulsed, P-O-L-S-T? Yes. So most and pulsed, they're the same thing. It just, they're different states. One, most is medical order and post is physician's order. It, Got it, it. it. Okay. Yeah. Jennifer's okay. over here writing notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, oh, this is this. Right. I'm learning something new tonight. So yeah. appreciate that. And I, I will just, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just share a story I had um, about the DNR because um, I think um, this hit home to me very early on when I was in my early 20s. I was with my father. My grandmother had Alzheimer's and she um, was in a home and my father cared, you know, was a, a, a loving son and caregiver. But at a certain point, um, I remember being with him at the hospital. She had to be taken to the hospital and they asked if he wanted to sign the DNR and he turned to me and he said, what do you think? And mm-hmm. I um, I think it was so hard for him to sign that. And I said, Dad, you've been a great son. And, um, you know, I think it's time. And so so I've I, that I've known what it is for a long time. and and again, this this the point of having these conversations earlier will make it so much easier for your loved ones who are agonized at moments and and, you know, I, I was happy to be there for my father, but, you know, he was, you know, turning to me. And um, if you had those conversations earlier, it really does help and unburden the person, you know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the last time my mother was in the hospital, uh, the idea of a DNR came up. 
the hospitalist came in and said, well, the information we have on file for you is that you would like all life-sustaining measures. And that had been in their computer for goodness knows how many years, 10 years, mm-hmm. 12 years, 15 years. And he said, do you want to keep that? And I think he, he knew what the right answer was, but he wanted to hear what we thought. And mm-hmm. my mother was really out of it uh, during that particular hospital visit. But she brightened up right at the right moment. And she said, no, I don't want that mm. anymore. I just really, my, my wish is if I get to that point, I want to go into hospice. I want to slowly fade away or quietly fade away. And I don't want you shocking me, shoving tubes down my throats and all those things. And he turned to me, he said, you know, my mother was in there under suspicion of, you know, dementia or a stroke. Turns out she was diagnosed mm. with dementia. But because of that, he had to turn mm-hmm. to me and he said, do you agree with that? I said, yes. And I'm got to tell you, I'm a little surprised that that was the answer that we got. But yes, that is the right answer. A hard conclusion to come to. But I also just think, too, I mean, the older they get, I, I would, I'm guessing that the older that I get, the things that I might think right now at my ripe old age of 50 that I am going to want done to write, extend my life. By the time I'm 83, Goggy's age, your mom's age, Nana's age, like, I don't know. Maybe you, 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 you've had a different perspective by then. So it's a good, I think it's a good reminder too. I know we're talking about having these difficult conversations, but also depending on if you're really good and you have these conversations really early with your loved ones, also to revisit them. I don't know what the cadence is for that. Yeah, Yeah, that's so important. And I was going to, I'm, I was going to bring that up that um, these are conversations that you need to revisit. And when you said that it was something that she had signed 10 or 12 years ago, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So I would say in terms of a cadence, you certainly should be revisiting any documents. This includes like a will or, you know, any kinds of legal documents. Anytime there are big life changes, which could be an illness, which could be a divorce or a death, Um, you know, any number of major life changes that happens, it's time to revisit those documents if you have them in place. And then, you know, different people will say different things, but I've heard like five years, every five years or so, you might want to, you know, revisit some of those documents and make sure they're accurately reflecting what, what you're thinking currently. What about funeral plans? How how do you get that conversation started? So, I mean, it's kind of a natural progression, I suppose, to go from DNRs and molsts and pulsts. I've learned something new. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Yes, thank you, Amy. You have educated us tonight. Um, but then funeral plans. Uh, and I know Steve's had a conversation recently, even with his mom about this. And, you know, it is fascinating to me, like, Things that you might not even 100% realize, for example, as a, as a child necessarily or as, as, the, as the loved one, but there could be all different kinds of reasons that your loved one wants something very specific. And so, Steve, you just had a, an interesting conversation with your mom as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised. I think I mentioned this earlier. I was a little surprised. I don't even remember how it came up. Uh, weirdly, I think it was on our birthday, and I don't know why I did that. It seems like the worst possible day to do this, because that day is all about birth, and we were talking about death. But it came up, and I, I just I asked, 
when the eventual day comes that you pass away, hopefully a long time from now, what do you want? And I was very surprised because we're Catholic. I grew up Catholic. She went to Catholic school. We grew up, I mean, we're all Catholic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we do, we do funerals. We do funerals up. And um, I was very surprised to find out she didn't want one. Uh, Mm. She said, I want to go to this specific funeral home. And I I mentioned that funeral home had an office nearby. She said, no, 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 no. I want the other one over there. Mm. Uh, And it's because they were the ones that took care of my father when he passed away 20 some Mm. years ago. And she really liked how they did things. But she said, I want to go to this funeral home. I want to be cremated. I want to have my box in the front. She's very specific about things. Mm. I, you know, I, I want just a couple of little uh, flower arrangements on either side. Don't go overboard with the flowers. I don't want the big arrangements. And uh, just have, you know, a, a place where people can come in and pay their respects. But, you know, really, how do you get this conversation started? I waited until there was an opening. If I'd waited too long, I may never have known. To me, they're different conversations, uh, um, and they can elicit different emotions. If you if you feel you can, you know, bring it up at the same time, that's maybe get some basics. That's fine. Like, for certainly very big important things like, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? Those kinds of things. But I think that actually the stuff we were talking about before what happens when something goes really wrong that that those are very challenging um, conversations and I'm not saying the funeral planning isn't but that's after everything and so they're different and if if you're able to I would separate them not dictating like if you if if you're having that great conversation and it goes into it and that you know is working for you great but the funeral planning, in, in a sense, is really about thinking about you want to, one, represent the wishes of your mothers and whoever's listening, whoever that loved person is, and you want to celebrate their life. You want to do the best by them. And so that's an opportunity for them to really reflect on what that would be, whether they want people there? Do they even want a service? Do they want just a memorial? Um, you might ask about organ donation. In fact, not might, but I encourage people to ask about that, um, depending on your faith and, and what it dictates. What I would add, though, that is, it's not the funeral plan, but one of the things that we really think about at Doe Wrote, and we have a whole um, program called Our Legacy Projects, is that um, towards the end of life and um, and even well beforehand, that it's important to capture the stories of people you love. And, you know, we have so many um, stories that get passed down in their photos. But, you know, then I know when people have passed on, I wish I'd asked them more about something specific. And, and um, so it's not the funeral planning, but to me it is, it's related to the legacy that your moms and other people will leave behind. One thing I just wanted to suggest is you really think about gathering those stories. And I know you talk about being the sandwich generation and we haven't talked about your children, but one of the things that I did when um, my daughters were 10 and eight is we went uptown to my father's. I could tell he 
you know, he hadn't been diagnosed yet, could tell that he was beginning to have symptoms of Alzheimer's. And we videotaped him and we just, um, the girls put together a bunch of questions the night before and they interviewed him and we have that recording and they have those memories and it doesn't have to be a video recording. It could be a podcast. It could be just sitting down and, and, you know, taking notes. But I think that having the opportunity to um, collect people's memories as you're thinking about their life, asking them to think about their values, their big life events, um, things they want you know, to share. And certainly at DeRote, we, we do these legacy projects. We ha- we assign volunteers and they work with older adults to collect their stories. But we also have samples of questions you might ask. Yeah, I actually, I really love that idea. And, you know, I, I had an experience recently with a childhood friend of mine who very recently lost her father expected due to a, a long illness And then not three months later, her mother, very unexpected Mm. in a car accident. And so I went to both of these funerals in a short period of time. And there there are four four daughters in the family. And I remember being really, I don't know if impressed is the right word. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but at the dad's funeral, but then even more so at the mom's funeral, just the way that each of these four girls were able to get up and share Uh, different Mm. stories about their parents' lives, like from childhood, you know, through Mm. adulthood and through their experiences, right, being being the children of these people. And it was really uh, Mm. very touching and and, uh, very moving and and very much a reminder, to your point, Amy, that it is so important to try to get some of these stories so that you have context around this person's life. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good reminder for sure. And you may you may be surprised. There may be things you think you know someone, and you do know them, of course. But I'll bet there are some some things that might surprise you, delight you, you know, sadden you, you know, what whatever it is um, that you'd want to hear. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So I think one final thing we'll mention before we totally close out a a new issue, a relatively new issue that people have only needed to deal with for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years is, is what to do with social media accounts. Your loved one may have a Facebook account, for instance. Um, I can speak from personal experience with this because Gagi has a very active Facebook account, very active, which by the way is fantastic. It is her, it's her window to the world in oh so many ways. Uh, let me tell you, during the pandemic a few years ago, Facebook is what like kept my mom going. And by the way, shout out to a few of my dearest friends and coworkers who answered the call when I said, you know, let's help keep Gagi in the world, you know, in the like connected to the world. And they they would record videos like I have coworkers who never met her before who recorded videos for her just to say hi and um, keep her engaged. And as a result of that, by the way, she's continued to stay in touch with all of these coworkers of mine whom she has never met. So there's all this content out there from her and her Facebook account. So I feel like it's going to be important to also understand what she wants done with that. I mean, she's 83 years old, but she has a 
digital footprint like nobody's business. Mm. Like, what do we, what do we do with that? How how do we talk about what she wants to do with that? That's so lovely, by the way. I think that's so amazing that 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 you sort of um, activated your friends and your your mom is now activate. Goggy is yes. activated. So that's just fantastic. Amy, I and can I, hook you up with her on Facebook, by the way. A, She'll start sending you a nice good night message. <laughs> she, I would she, like that. She I will send you that. inspirational messages every day, I promise you. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm Goggy. We're going to be You're connected. I'm excited. Okay. Um, so... Um, I think it's a great question. It's actually one I hadn't had before. And um, I had some thoughts, but I did a little research and I asked my colleagues just to make sure I was um, sending you the right way. And I I think we might, in fact, do a program at wrote on this theme because it's a really good question. So thank you for asking it. First of all, there you're right to um, think about it beforehand if you can. And one of the things I should have said earlier there, there we were when we were talking about documents is like, where do you store them? How do you keep that information? So and this relates to the social media question. So I just wanted to say that if you've created, um, you know, an advanced directive, if you have a healthcare proxy, a living will, if you've you have a DNR or a most post, you want to make sure people know they exist. So you should put them somewhere um, obvious in your apartment. Some people put it on the back of the door. Some people put them on the refrigerator, the, you know, with a magnet. Um, people carry a copy in their purse or bag. Um, but also, and this goes to the social media, all of the passcodes that you want to make sure you know, it makes, it makes life easier. Um, you can do things without them, but it makes life a ton easier if you have passcodes. So that is good that you are, um, already on top of that. But um, there basically, it depends on the social media account. But uh, many of them, you can leave it if you so desire. You can deactivate it. And then places like Facebook and Instagram, you can memorialize the page um, if you want. Um, so it's not deactivated. And all of those recordings and photos are still up, but, um, you know, it's, it's no longer, it's clear that the person has passed. To do that, you're going to definitely need some documents. You're going to need the death certificate, um, probably an obituary. You're going to need something to show that you're the person authorized to do that, be it a power of attorney or another document. Each of these platforms will have different um, needs. And um, one thing I can say from my own experiences, for example, with the death certificate, when you are planning with the, a funeral home, they'll ask you how many copies you want. And you'll think, oh, why do I need more than one or two? You want many of them. Oh, absolutely um, you do. Yes, yeah. you do. We learned yeah, that one. So, <laughs> so um, the, those are just sort of practical tips. Um, but, but that's really what I would advise there. And um, again, it is very lovely what you have done. And um, I'm looking forward to my Facebook connection. <laughs> we're going to make it happen. Oh, we're going to make this happen for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're going to get uh, all the information that people would need to contact Dorote to find out, you know, about all the different programs. But Amy Stein Milford, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great. So much great advice. Thank you so much. 
Oh, it was my pleasure. So thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, so you know, one thing I got to tell everyone, unfortunately, I, I've been through a lot in the last week. <laughs> my Facebook was hacked, and I don't mean just hacked. I mean taken completely over, and I lost control of it, and unfortunately, it's now been uh, completely suspended permanently. So what that meant, unfortunately, though, was that Caregiving Gen X-style Facebook page went away. So I had to start a new one. Yeah, because uh, actually I never accepted Steve's invitation to be an yes, admin on the page. Oops. It's true. If, if she had done that, the page would still exist. So Whoops. blame Jennifer Sorry. for this one. Yep. And uh, But I started a new page. But if you already liked the page, go, please go search on Facebook, Caregiving Gen X style, uh, and please re-like it. You know, but you can also get in touch with us on uh, email, caregivinggenxstyle at gmail.com. You can send us a text or a voicemail. We love to hear stories. How's your mom? How's your dad? Technology stories, whatever you want to tell us. Oh, and by the way, I want to go back a little bit. The Facebook thing, uh, we did have a listener uh, that contacted me about uh, a really interesting story about her father who was in assisted living in Mexico. Uh, I saved that. I want to come back to it. I'm really hoping this person can just just email me caregivinggenxstyle at gmail.com. I want to keep your contact information. Uh, you can send us a text or a voicemail, 804-723-1221. You can find us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. The handle is at genxcaregiving. Uh, we hope to hear from you soon, and uh, you know we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night, everyone. <laughs>